Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and I'm joined on the podcast this week by Corinne Cantor. Hey, Corinne. Hey, Dom. How are you? I'm good. Hey, Corinne. Got a story, a bit of a blast from the past, but it brings up an interesting concept that I've been thinking about lately. So the story was basically, you know, in my past life, I used to work for a container shipping company, right? And I remember I was stationed up in in China for a while and looking after customer service. And we had these KPIs for customer service, right? And one of them in particular that I remember was booking turn time. So we had to get back to customers within two hours of them making the booking with a yes or a no kind of thing. And it was 95%, I think, was the target, right, within two hours. And so we were trying and trying. And here's the thing. In container shipping, sometimes there were reasons why you couldn't go back. You know, we don't know if we have that kind of container in the port, you know, all all sorts of stuff, right, if there's space on the vessel, all kinds of things. And so it was really hard to hit. We could get close. We could get to like 90-something percent, but not quite 95. And we'd have a call with headquarters every, like, I think it was a couple of weeks or month or whatever. And we'd always get, you know, wrapped over the knuckles for it. But there was one office in East China where I was that was like 99.5%. And I was like, how are they doing this? This is amazing. And so every week they get praised on this call, right? How amazing they're doing it. Why can't you all just do it like them? And I was like, oh, I've got to go see for myself. <laughs> you know, so I flew out there, sat in with them, watched them. And I realized the way they were doing it was if they were unsure if they could confirm it or not, they just canceled the booking. <laughs> Right. And then once they had the answer, they told the customer to book again. Mm. Right. Gosh. And I was like, hold on. Wait a minute. Like, we've kind of missed the point of the KPI. Yeah. Right. They're getting the number. Yeah. Sure. 99.5% of bookings were getting a reply, yes or no, within two hours. But what was the purpose of it? Was to provide a good customer experience. Yeah. Right. But having a book again is not a good customer experience, <laughs> you know, at all. In fact, it's a, a bad customer experience. In fact, it's a bad customer experience. Yeah. So it got me thinking about this KPY. You know, we often talk about KPIs. Mm. Uh, what's the number we're trying to hit? In that case, though, they missed the why, right? Why do we actually have it? And in fact, we're working to a cross purpose. So I'd love to, to chat about just that idea with you today, because I think we often fixate on the number without necessarily you know, why, why does that number matter? Why are we pursuing this particular thing? It's such a hot topic for me at the moment, Dom, because I'm working a lot with organizations and culture and goal-setting practices and mission and philosophy really important Mm. for their turning around. So I've got a bit of a hotspot around this because I think that sometimes KPIs, we're so focused on the target and the metric and we forget that it's just symbolic. It's representing a standard that we've decided to meet. Mm. Okay. So for example, NPS. Yeah. You know, sometimes I see some of my clients and organizations get caught up in the number that is NPS. We need plus this or mine, you know, we've got to get from minus thing. And really they forget to talk about how we're going to treat our clients differently. How are we going to create a positive experience 
that delight our customers. That is what drives NPS. And so I think that sometimes the KPI can obscure, you know, counterproductively, counterintuitively, the very thing that it's meant to give you a guiding light on. So I think it's, I'm really passionate about this because I think what you measure will shape where people put their effort. And so if you're not clear about what you're measuring and why you're measuring it, then you effectively may totally be working on the wrong thing. Or we'll, we'll maximize for the measure, right? Yes, if we don't we'll understand, maximize, that's right. If we don't understand why, we'll maximize for the measure. So, you know, to your point of net promoter score, mm. you know, I remember dropping my car off for a service and I get it back at the end of the day. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's, we've done this and that. Here's a card, you know, they're going to text you or email you or something to fill out a survey. <laughs> and on the card, it had, you know, numbers one to eight frowny faces and then nine and 10 smiley face. You know, make sure you give us a nine or a 10 yeah, yeah. kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, hold on, you didn't actually do anything different aside from now you've just kind of biased the survey, right? If yeah. I put my survey hat on. Yeah. So does it actually mean people are getting a better service or no. you've just biased <laughs> the survey? That's right. And also, I think that, you know, I've had exactly the same experience where I've gone into a particular teleco shop and at the end of the experience, (laughs) I've been advised that I'm going to get a survey and would I please rate the nine or 10 because if I didn't, this was the consequence that would happen to that individual. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to lose my job or I'm going to get a pay. I'm not going to get the bonus, I suppose. So there are two things that happened for me you know, remember one is on one occasion, the person who asked me to do it actually provided a terrible service and I actually had to do most of the work. So for them to ask me at the end of this terrible experience to give them a 910, that is a complete disconnect or interest in me as a customer. So I didn't, you know, I really like wasn't going to go there with them. So that was kind of your customer. You know, I see your customer experience where they've got a book back and I raise you another where, you know, you you provide a terrible customer experience and then you tell the customer that they need to rate you a nine or 10. You know, and and so it's not helping us, is it? No. And and it's to your point of people are maximizing the score, but it's not providing a better service. Like I'm going to raise you again. I remember having (laughs) one when I was moving countries. And the guys pack up all your possessions are in the back of their truck and then they want you to fill out the form on their service. I'm hardly going to give them a two, am I? They've got all my worldly possessions <laughs> on the back of their truck. It's like, oh, man, it's not worth it, you know. That's right. It's a 10. Yeah. So I think it's like what is the KPI about? Why do we have it? And what is it meant to represent? It is not the end game. You know, like, well, you know, it's the process of delivering it that matters. If you want to drive, make a difference. But so I think that's one thing is not getting carried away with trying to maximize the metric that you lose sight of the reason why you were measuring it in the first place. Yes. You know, and also it's about sustaining that, you know, like, so to your point, you've got a situation where somebody's maximized the metrics, but sure, you know, over time, if that keeps happening, customers will leave. Yes. You know, and people say, well, what's going on? We had this great NPS. Yeah, but you actually had lousy customer service. 
And so it didn't translate to retention. So I think that's something I'm really passionate about. The other thing with KPIs is to set a KPI that has a meaningful why behind it, but also is within the person's capability and effort to influence, make a difference to. You know, there's an item in our culture survey that looks at fairness of appraisals. Mm. And I can't tell you how many times in organisations that has scored really badly. And then, you know, people in the organisation say, we don't understand the format of the appraisals, ask for this. Said, yeah, well, asking for it on a form is very different to how it's implemented Mm. in real life. And very often it goes back to the goal setting practice. And what happened was a KPI was set where an individual's effort was only part of what was needed to achieve that KPI. Everything Mm. else was outside of their effort to influence. Now, there's no better way of disempowering someone or, you know, reducing their level of motivation by setting them a task that they're not in a position to be able to achieve. So why even try? My effort doesn't make a difference, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Corinne influenced the price of tea in China. Well, good luck to you. <laughs> I can't. I'm going to get all my family and friends to drink. <laughs> We're all going to start buying. We're a big hoarding. family. <laughs> we, we do like tea. Yeah, and so I think, you know, the whole thing about goal setting, and to me the KPI and KPY question comes down to what's important about goal setting. And I think once upon a time, and, you know, some of us still use goals as a motivator. You know, you have a goal to help you focus your attention, effort, and energy on something that you want to achieve. But very often in organizations, I think they've lost the art and ability to be able to think about goals as motivators and they use goals and KPIs as control and, Mm. you know, ways of sort of quality checking. And, but it's kind of swung too much on the other side, you know, because that's, not serving, that's not growing capability. It's not setting the right values. And in fact, if you have the KPIs like the ones you and I were just talking about, that's going to set values and the norms will be around competitiveness is what you're going to get in your organization Mm. and conventional, Mm. you know, but you're going to get people gaming the system. Well, that's right. And and that's why it goes back to that. Why? Like I think of another example of a company that loaded trucks up yeah right with materials and they had you know a kpi a rule put mm. 10 ton of stuff in the back of the truck yeah awesome right? but they never talked about why yeah. you know and so why would you have that rule well we want to fill up the truck as much as we possibly can within safe limits right yeah. we've got to be able to you know keep it safe right but but within that we want to fill it up as much as we can so that's why but you know, and, and therefore we make more money, I suppose, and stay safe. So that's the why, but they never explained that. The rule was just 10, 10 ton, 10 ton, 10 yeah, ton, 10 yeah. ton. That's all they talked about. Yeah. And so the truck would come in, 10 ton, truck goes out, truck comes in, 10 ton goes in, truck goes out. Smaller truck comes along, right? But you put 10 ton of stuff in the back of the truck, right? Even though it was smaller, you know? And so what do they do? They put 10 ton and it did a wheelie. Now the problem, you know, you know, now what what we want, if we understand the why, we can actually use our initiative. We can make decisions. If I understand that actually the why is fill up the trucks but keep them safe, you know, so yeah. we make money but we stay safe. Yeah. 
Well, now I can deal with a new situation, a smaller truck, for example, that comes along, or for that matter, a bigger truck that could take more than 10 yeah. ton, you know, we're underutilizing it in that case. Yeah. And so if we understand why, you know, like I'm a huge fan of, of achievement thinking, right? And I think you unleash that when you actually give people the why, because now yeah. I can make decisions and choices that lead us towards that why, mm. which may not be exactly the rule, but mm. it's in the spirit of the rule. You know, it's but, in the spirit of the rule. And sometimes it's completely, you know, complies well, with the rule, but it's just a better way of getting there, mm. you know? And mm. I think that, you know, so goals and the KPIs have to be meaningful and they have to represent the kind of a culmination of a series of processes where human effort makes a difference. Mm. So how many times have I seen KPI that doesn't actually connect back to the process or the human effort that's going to make an improvement? So it's got to be the culmination, a representation of the the way that people's energy and effort can be directed in order to achieve it. Mm. The other thing is why? Tell people why because then they can make if they understand the outcome, they can pivot and make a different choice that actually might be better way of achieving. The why. Mm-hmm. The why. And you do, I was feeling like we're operating in parallel worlds, Don, because I've got another kind of truck do you? story, okay. yeah, which speaks to be careful how you frame the language of your KPIs. So it was an organisation that uh, we worked with for a while and we went in, we had a discovery phase and we shadowed people. We learned how they did their jobs and we talked to a lot of people and we looked at all of their systems. And one of the things that I had a bit of an aha moment because I looked at all of their KPIs and without necessarily consciously meaning to, all their KPIs were phrased in the language of what people shouldn't do. Mm. Okay. So it was, you know, if they were loading pallets, it was X percentage left on dock versus percentage loaded. And the reason that that's important is that, you know, from a cultural point of view, improving performance point of view, what helps people perform well is to know what good looks like. And so if you've got a KPI that's framed as a negative, Uh. what you're directing people's energy and effort is away from what you don't want, but you haven't given them a clear goal for what you do want. Right. So- it's really important that the KPIs are framed in a in a language that points towards towards a goal, you know, where we want to go, not what we want to avoid. You know, for example, 20% reduction in customer complaints. Right. Yeah. That'd <laughs> right. be that'd yeah. be a really common one, right? Gotcha. But you know, you really want to look at if we don't want customer complaints, what do we want? And what do we want more of? You know, so we want an increase in customer satisfaction of resolution of issues, you know. Right. So it's almost like, you know, from percentage of defects to, you know, percentage of, I don't know, high quality, you know. High quality, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Because I think that if you think about it, if you think that about these employees and team members that were measured by how many left on dock, they're really focused on what they shouldn't do. They're not focused on thinking, I wonder what would be the best way to get as many parcels on this truck as possible, okay? They might be focused on cramming a whole lot of things in the truck so that they're not left on dock and that creates your safety issue. Right, right. You know? So I think 
organizations, it's really important to understand that when you're sitting, setting these KPIs, they're part of a goal setting structure. And that goal setting structure is actually one of the ways it carries your culture. It's a culture carrier. Mm. And so if the goal setting process in itself is not fair, it's all top down, then people never feel a true ownership mm-hmm. of the goals and the KPIs. If it's not a meaningful KPI and people don't understand the why, they're going to deliver something on rote because mm. they were told to. Mm. And that could lead to unintended problems as well. And also being really mindful about what you're measuring. The other story that I think of is advertising company, outdoor advertising company, where salespeople are remunerated or incentivized on the quantity of panels booked. Uh Now, if you're going to measure volume, you're not measuring value, okay? You're just measuring, you're incentivizing people on the number of panels. So guess what happens? So what happens is profitability goes down because they're carrying a lot of costly contracts that aren't adding any value. It's easier to discount the price, get the volume. Yeah. Correct. So you might want to say number of panels with this value, you know, so you've got to actually put other things in there or be mindful of upstream. What's the impact of doing that? And in this particular company, which was an ingrate company case study, their profitability after their cultural change decreased competitive, built achievement, and the the value of that was high levels of profitability because the contracts that they were signing were so much greater value because people were now not trying to compete and outdo each other. They were looking to grow the organisation, so they cared about it more. And they were incentivized differently. You know, and it's interesting that whole trade-off thing. I think, you know, ultimately for me, KPY is about we should be thinking as if we were the CEO, hmm. you know, or, or the managing director, you know. If they were standing beside you, behind you, what would they want you to do, right? Like, would they want you to tell the customer to fill it out as a nine or a 10 regardless of the service? No, they want you to give the customer great service. Yeah, that's what they want you to do. You know, do they want you to drop the price through the floor in order to get the volume? No, probably not. Right now, here's the interesting thing: sometimes KPIs can be a trade-off. You know, and Mm. I've been in a company where they purposely set conflicting KPIs, so different business units had conflicting KPIs, Mm. right? Mm. Which guess what happened? Conflict. Mm. You know, and it was interesting because. I think the theory was that people would, it would drive some innovation because in order mm. to meet the KPIs, we, you've got to be inventive somehow, right? Something's got to change. I think what ended up happening is people just kind of pushed their agenda, you know, at the expense of others potentially. Were you incentivized on it? Yes. Yeah, because that yeah. makes it almost guarantees <laughs> you're going to get yeah. competing priorities and people not, you know, you need a special kind of culture that can redirect that thinking. Well, it's hard, right? And some, you know, I remember having a conversation with someone where their KPI said, you know, sell this particular thing, but that was full. Like we couldn't, we couldn't get any more, right? It was impossible. So, so now we're all fighting over the scraps amongst yeah. the different regions kind of stuff, but it doesn't yeah. matter. It's all sold anyway. But over here, <laughs> this product, empty. You know, we're not doing any of it, you know? And so, so wait, wait a minute, why didn't you kind of redirect everything? So that's not my KPI, so I don't mm. care. 
And I was kind of horrified because it's like, what do you think the boss would want you to do? If he was standing here right now, Yeah, you know, would he be happy in what he has? Yeah. You know, and look, I get it. I get why they say, you know, I disagree with it, but I get why people do it because they're like, well, that is what I'm incentivized to do, what I'm told to do. Mm. Um, and I guess you got to step outside that, you know, but interesting because they can be in conflict. So I think the question is always, you know, what matters the most? If I was the owner of this business, what would I want people doing? Yeah. Right. And is that, that was, aligned? Yeah. So many examples. One of the examples I, I know is we're in organizations trying to create or encourage sales of a new product or a new solution. And, but they've left the same incentivization system in there. And so people sell what they know will sell and they don't sell anything of the new product. And so in some instance that I'm thinking of, the organization wanted to actually transition customers to the new product, but it wasn't working because how I got paid as a salesperson, so my base is quite low and I make my, you know, my right. conditions based on the commission. Uh-huh. And so why would I give up that commission selling a new product that's not known? Right. Yeah. When it's I know twice I as much work potentially. Twice as much work. Yeah. So it's just and you know, some of these things are a bit trial and error, but I guess the message here is to really be more thoughtful about what the KPI is and why you're setting that KPI and the human effort, energy and time that will improve the performance of the KPI. What's the process? It you know, we always talk about Darren Lockyer that year where he talked about focus on process and the outcome will come. Mm. And I think that's a really good philosophy for thinking about measurement, you know, how you measure people. We often get people who want to, you know, put some measures around cultural change and cultural norms changing. I always say don't put it on the OCI. You can give yourself a goal around what you want to reach on the OCI Mm. styles. But Mm. if you're going to measure something, measure the, the area that requires effort. And that you can hold somebody, you know, responsible right. so we're, for. we're taking this action particular plan. action, right? Correct, right. yeah. You know, because that's something that's within somebody's control. So I think that's really important. And, and otherwise you start, you know, hey, guys, just uh, fill out the survey, you know, because <laughs> then we get a bonus, you know, which misses the point again, misses the point because yeah. it doesn't mean we've got a better culture. It just means we've filled out the survey yeah, <laughs> in a biased way, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think it's one of those things we kind of take for granted and, you you know, you've got the smart process and everything. But I think it's a warning. It can be a very, very potent, important way of motivating people if it's done in a meaningful way, in a way that allows people to see how their effort makes a difference and if it teaches them how to think, you know, how to think so that they can make different choices. and just. You know, the final thought for me maybe is um, I was working with a client and we're talking about, you know, connecting what the individual does to the team, to the department, to the org, right? And we kind of know that and we cascade it, right? But but I don't think we often talk about the why in that chain. You know, it's just like, well, we need a sales number of, you know, 10 million and then this department's going to do 5 million and this team's going to do two of that and, you know, whatever. But it was the why, like, you know, just thinking of like someone in finance, because often what I see as well, like support functions, if you like, or, or enabling functions like finance and stuff like that, often don't see themselves in 
how they contribute to the overall business or how they contribute mm. to customers mm. and impacting customers and stuff like that. So I talk about like, you know, debtor days. We want to get our debtor days down, right? Mm. So how long are invoices outstanding? Mm. Right? Why? Well, because it's good business practice, I guess. Yeah. But the real why is, well, if we get our debtor days down, it means our cash flow is better. And if our cash flow is better, it means we can invest in stuff. Yeah. And if we can invest in stuff, it means we can build this new IT project over there or, you know, invest in this team or train these people or whatever yeah. it is, right? Which is going to increase our capability. So yeah. now we can actually make more sales and, and grow or we can expand to this office over here or whatever, right? But it's ex- doing that causal chain all the way back. So by getting the debtor days down, we have more cash. If we have more cash, we can make more investments. Mm. And if we can make more investments, we can grow as a company. You know, and maybe that means more opportunities for people inside the company. You know, There's a whole lot of whys that you can connect to. And I think people stop short. You know, Why do we get debtor days down so we can get you know, more cash or something, right? Because or, that's what we or do. Because that's what you're supposed to do as finance, <laughs> yeah. you know? So step it through. You know, what does it actually mean? Well, I think it's that line of sight, right? And it reminds me we were doing a cultural debrief and working with a finance team actually and I, I knew they had an amazing finance team. They actually were really significant in the achievements of the new strategy. But when we looked at their sense of job significance or how important they felt their job was, it was really low. Mm. And we kind of thought, how does that work? And when we asked them, they said, well, everything that's in our induction pages and our onboarding work is all about this glamorous project over here and Uh we're not on that one pager. I said, oh, okay. And I said, but you're really important because you're the guys that actually do the business case study and the feasibility work on whether that is going to go forward. And I said, yeah, but that's not on there. And so part of it is looking at some of the big ticket items that involve more than just one team and look at how everybody in the organization actually contributes to delivering that. Totally. You know, like I think of, you know, in organizations, there's often, you know, the sexy project or something, you yes. know, we're building this IT platform, oh, you know, 2.0, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. And meanwhile, everyone else feels like the forgotten child, right? Yeah. Why do we need to talk to this people and say, hey, there's always two parts of any business, right? Delivering today and building for tomorrow. Yeah. Right. And if we don't deliver today, we can't build for tomorrow. Yeah. You know, so, hey, we've got to really satisfy customers now. We've got to make sales. We've got to have great customer service. We've got to get those day to days down. You know, all that stuff, because that's what's enabling us to actually do this, you know. Amazing work over here. The sexy stuff over there, you know. But then people can feel that they're part of it, you know. So, hey, I'm creating the platform so, you know, these guys can run kind of stuff, you know. So, so link it through, you know. Why? Why does what people do matter, you know, and how does it connect? Yeah. Great way to end. I could probably talk all day about it. I've got, like, more examples in the back of my mind, but I feel like I've got to pause there. Otherwise, I'm going to get carried away. Podcast number two on goals coming up <laughs> in your could, future. I see it. Could well be. <laughs> you know, so my, my kind of takeaway out of that was, you know, as businesses, we're often really good at seeing KPIs, but let's bring in the KPY. Why do we have these goals? Why do they matter? Because that's what's going to allow people, A, to do it in the right way, you know, aligned with what we're actually trying to achieve rather than just the nut metric. And two, it allows people to innovate because we know why we're aiming for this stuff, not just, you know, this is how it's done or has to be or whatever. Brilliant. Awesome. Thanks for your time today, Corinne. Thanks, Dom. See you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, 
Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au. Thank you.